0: Abba Yahweh, communion with you this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your love, unending, and allowing me to be a conduit to your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God. Abba Yahweh, aman. Eshua aman, paraklitus aman. Thank you, Father God. I'm going to share some things with you. And of course, I'm certain I'm beyond certain that there will be those that will be offended. And guess what? You know what my bottom line is. I don't care because my validation doesn't come from y'all. And it doesn't come from those that want to get offended by what I'm going to say. But here's the truth. Any person, any person that claims themselves to be And remember, I've shared this with you before, that there are many that call themselves Christian and they're label heads or self-proclaimed, and they're not really because they don't practice and they find offense in things that people say or do when they're doing it in truth, and they're doing it in the name of the Lord or by his leading, and they become offended, and they declare offense in that. Well, I don't care. I don't care for them, and I don't have to be around them. Uh, I don't have to associate with them, but I do have to pray for them. And I will do so because that's what we are told to do. We do not alienate them. We do not confront them. We simply pray for them. And as Jesus himself told us that these individuals are like a millstone around our necks. We claim that they're our friends, or we declare their friendship, and yet the truth be told is that they are not. They will belittle, degrade, besmirch, and they they are rumor mongers, they will talk behind your back, and they're spiritually destructive. But we need to pray for them because there is an opportunity that they have that they can take. They can choose to repent and come back to the Lord. That can be done. And we need to provide that for them. And we need to pray that in their lives. So to not have anything to do with them doesn't mean to stop praying for them. And I go that direction because I'm gonna share this with you, that there are individuals that claim to be pastors and leaders and elders and all this stuff, but yet what they declare is false teaching and false doctrine. What they claim in verbiage when they speak to the uh, sanctuary or to the, uh, (laughs) I'm forgetting these words age, Um, what they declare to the congregation openly and verbally by flapping those things on the front of their face called lips, they will declare that they are the leader. So essentially, in so many words, they're saying that they don't have to do what they declare. They're only shedding that message or sharing that message out to the congregation, that they're the leader and they don't have to do that. Well, that's not exactly true. As a matter of fact, that is so false, it's unbelievable. And here's the reality. And the Holy Spirit gave me this uh, picture and shared this analogy with me. So I'm sharing it with you. When a pastor speaks or when anyone speaks and when I am speaking and sharing this podcast that God has provided for me. And it is his podcast, not mine. But when I speak, I speak with a mirror. Now here we get a little sci-fi and we get a little animation thing going on. There's a mirror that floats around. So when I turn my head and look one way or another, there's a mirror that floats and it stays in front of me. So You're wondering, you're scratching your head going, what is that supposed to mean? That means that any pastor that is making a declaration open to the congregation and the church is speaking to himself. And that mirror should be floating around in front of their face, just like it does mine. That when you speak these words of truth that come from the Holy Spirit and from the Lord God Almighty, you are not speaking to the congregation and telling them, as our drill instructors in the military used to say, you do as I say and not as I do. Well, that's totally contrary to scriptural teaching because you are supposed to be shining out what God has put in us and be expressing what Jesus brought to us. And if you are doing so from behind the pulpit, the dice, and you're speaking in a microphone and you're not doing that and you refuse to do that because you believe that you don't have to do that, then you are a liar. And I'm gonna call you out on that and the Lord doesn't mind because it's true. Don't speak falsely and don't teach from behind the pulpit of a church and be teaching contrary and be speaking frowardly. You will have a judge. I'm not judging you, okay? Don't get confused in this judgment. I'm calling you out on it that you need to do self-examination and you need to be in prayer. You need to repent. Okay, but I'm not judging you because that's not my job. I will just cut whatever strings that I have that may be attached somewhere down around the hem of your garment and that I put them there because I was watching and and seeing that you were pretty good and then the real demonstration comes out and I need to cut those because I don't want your millstone to drag me to the bottom of the deep dark pit. You understand what I'm saying now? You get it? It's not for me to judge you, and it's not for any of us to be in judgment at you and point our fingers and say, that's why I don't mention any names. You notice that when I talk in that, I don't mention names because that gets people into that judgmentalism. And then they're going to start, it could be nasty. That's not what we're about. But here's the important thing. I don't stop praying for you. The repentance is your choice to make, just like it says in John 3, 16. Whoever chooses to seek the light, whoever chases the truth, whoever seeks the face of God shall find in it all things. You will find his face. You will find his wisdom. You will find the truth if that's what you look for. But if you seek falsehood and you seek offense, ye shall surely find it because that's what you're looking for. That's what you seek. That's what you'll find. We need to not be about that, brothers and sisters. And even those that uh, portray this, (sighs) this froward teaching, speaking openly and willingly contrary to what the Bible says. And there are pastors that do that very thing. There are individuals that claim to be an elder of a church and claim to be Christian and claim this and that and the other thing, but they're practicing pharisaical teachings and they're practicing that word I shared with you some time ago, Phariseeism, because the Pharisees are so caught up in self-worth and self righteousness, and their intellect, and Jesus called them out on it. He said, wait a second, you claim to be scholars of the word and scholars of the truth. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and snuck up behind you without a hiss and a rattle and bit you on your tail end. You wouldn't know that truth. You would just turn around and scream and run in panic. And just like they did with him, they called him a liar and a blasphemer because he's spoke truth. They didn't recognize the truth and he further addressed them and said, you don't know the truth because you know, you speak your father's language, the language of your father that you have learned from the beginning and now you try to teach. It is the language of lies, falsehood, deception, froward teaching, false doctrines. You speak that language because it is a language of your father, the devil. Oh, you think that didn't agitate them a whole lot a bit right there? Oh, yes, it did. And why do you suppose that is? Because of their self-worth, because of their self-righteousness, and because they were the ones calling him the blasphemer, the liar, and the deceiver and the one of the devil. <laughs> but countering, Jesus said, wait a second. If I'm casting out demons and devils in the name of the devil, isn't that kind of... and he tried. I noticed too, in, in reading these parables that Jesus tried to, and the lessons that he gave to them, he tried to give them, some of us might call it the benefit of the doubt. He wasn't giving them the benefit of the doubt, but he was trying to get them to wrap their thought process around what he was saying. Because they considered them to be, themselves to be such intellectuals. But when he did that, they're looking at each other like, huh, what? What did he say? What was that? I don't get that. How could he say that and he's talking about this? Well, yeah, they were pretty lost. But Jesus did that always with them. He tried to get them to see that. And as he shared with us and with his 12 that were with him physically there at the time, and he thanked God for the fact that when he shared with them that it was his truth and knowledge and wisdom And that they were able to understand it. And he also reminded them that there were those of political and public import, whether they were elected or they were the leaders that were put in charge or they were the religious leaders in the sepulcher or not the sepulcher, but the, uh... sorry, that word went right out. I had it I was going to say, Say it, and went right away. The synagogue. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. And that they were the ones who were trying, and they sought the answers. They sought, but they couldn't understand the words. They couldn't understand parabolic speech that came from Jesus, that came from Father God, Abba, Yahweh, Yahweh. You go back to the Old Testament, you'll see that God spoke parabolically. And the word of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, was with him from the beginning, as John says, John expresses to us. Uh, Hold on one second. I'm going to flip the page here right quick. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not any thing made that was made in him was life and life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not now this john who's writing this gospel is not the same john that he's talking about when he talks about there was a man sent from god whose name was john the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe now we're talking about of course John the baptizer or John the baptist but here's the thing that we have to remember again I got to tell you that when we share this and I do this I do this to myself and I and I do this that that I have this little I imagine, I don't actually see it floating around, that would be kind of weird, but um, I imagine that I'm speaking to a mirror and oftentimes I don't tilt my head, I'm reading, but I'm sitting here when I sit up, I sit upright and I look straight out and I'm imagining that I am speaking into a mirror as I speak to y'all because that is what we should do. We don't exclude ourselves from the word of God. We don't exclude ourselves from his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. And we do not exclude ourselves from teaching words, exhortation to our brothers and sisters. I will not, and I do not practice that. And if you do practice that, then you are practicing a very dangerous thing called Phariseism. Do not be self Righteous, Do not be self-worthy because without him, you have no value. Keep that in mind, that your validation, your valuation comes from the Lord God Almighty. And it was through his mercy and his grace, grace first, and his mercy allowing us to continue with that. And that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from what you do it does not come from your acts or your works or any of that thing because it doesn't happen. Paul writes about that all the time. And we must remember that. I I like this reading that I got into from one of my mentors. <coughs> and we need to remember this that in Matthew 1 and 23, that this is talking about Uh, Of course, the first chapter of Matthew is talking about the uh, holy spiritual touch that Mary received and has the baby and and goes through in the proclamation, the evangelism from the messenger of God and the angels. And remember, the angels were, and some people might not agree with that, but I don't care. Um, You have a perception, but my perception is this, and the the scriptures will back this up. The angels were actually the first evangelists and then they shared with the shepherds and then the shepherds went out and they evangelized also. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because evangelism means the sharing of good news. And what did the angel tell the shepherds when they were out in the flock, tending the sheep in the middle of the night, out in the darkness and taking care of the sheep? Be not afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. <laughs> born unto you this night in the city of David, a savior is born. And then he went on and he, the angel shared with them his names and what he will be called and also shared with them word that he could be found. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, let me share this with you. The humble way that Jesus came into this world and the humbleness that he shared is the humbleness that we need to express and not think ourselves so high and mighty and vaunt ourselves above everyone else. And there are pastoral individuals that do this very thing. Pray for them share them those individuals that are robbing from their congregation and stealing and and playing aggressively because they have now a an entourage that bullies people well you know I don't mention them and I'm not going to by name but I'm I still have them in my prayers I don't even remember their names actually sorry father you know who I'm talking about though and I do, I pray for them because there is the possibility, if they choose to do so, that they can repent and should. And it's probably that's why we continue praying for them always. But one of my mentors was uh sharing in his in his writing and um Sometimes we find especially during the holiday season, and I find this to be so. I mean my parents are dead, my my children, my grandchildren are are away from me, they're they're far away, some. And some are just away from me. Can't get to them. And because of the circumstance that I'm in at this present time, I there's separation. So there's a degree And I have to admit, there is a degree of this um, melancholiness. I I don't even know if that's a real word. (laughs) But there is a degree of that. And I'm thankful that my Lord, my God has provided me my, uh, my two companions that have been with me for, my goodness gracious, they've been with me for 10 years and the one she's looking at me right now they they're very good also let me share this with you while I continue that they know when I'm sharing the word of god and they behave themselves they also know that when I finish then then they can yap at me or whatever but they're actually very good at what they do they're also very good in and, and when and i believe my perception and and I think the Holy Spirit backs me up on this and that God provides our domestic companions to us for a specific purpose. And he knows that there are things that are missing in us or around us and in our lives and he provides them for us. And he does that, why? Because he loves us, because he loves them. I'm telling you right now that these two, both of these are rescues. And the my little girl, she was, oh man, I watched for a little bit before I made the decision, but I, I watched and she was trying to uh, self-protect and, and the other dogs were just so much bigger. She's a little petite thing. She's a Papillon Pekinese. and uh, she tried, but she knows that I protect her and I love her and I will always. So I reciprocate in that way that I just provide them with love. They don't look for, they don't really look for anything from me. They just, they lay around and they appreciate it when I pay attention to them and love on them. And I I do, and I provide for them because God provided them to me. He provided us to each other because of God's love that he instills in them in in his way though. You see, people have a tendency to, to darken and muddy that purity of the love that God puts in us, that we're supposed to be unconditional and do that. We we tend to change that around and we say, well, you don't love me anymore, well, I don't love you. Or you're like that, well, I'm gonna be like this. And then we turn it into this doggone thing, you know? And then you got the workaholics that, well, you're not showing that you love me very much, so I just don't love you anymore, I want a divorce, you know? And then you go into stupidity. And I know where from I speak because yeah, I did that very thing. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Let me share this with you and then I'm, I'm going to get off that because I don't want that to turn into a platform. This is, this is, and these are great ideas. I love these. And I try to do this. I try to practice. I think I I get by with, with doing this is that we have to remember that God's heavenly name as uh, the angel announced to the shepherds that They're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us or God in us, depending on the translation that you're in. Remember Bethlehem, depending if it's uh, Hebrew or Arabic, then it either means house of bread or house of meat. But it's the same place, and the spelling is relatively the same. It's just the pronunciation. But they're both applicable because, remember, the word of God is called the bread of life, and Jesus has been called the bread of life. And what do we do when we celebrate his crucifixion. We break bread and drink wine. Uh, Is that not relative? Or he has been called our portion, which what they're talking about is our sustenance or our meal, our food, which comes back to indicative of the house of meat. Some of you might not get it that way, but if you do the study, and you see what it does. It comes around to that. But anyway, I think these are wonderful ideas. Thank you, Pastor David. I love this. I love your teaching. I love your word. I love your eloquence and speech. I love, I love the fact that you share truth. So, seven things for letting the presence of Christ cheer you up instead of the happenings and the circumstances around you cheer you up. Okay, the Christ, praise Him aloud even if you don't feel like it start talking to him out loud thanking him for specific blessings you've experienced this year I have a tendency to do that um when i'm at work though let me share this truth with you is that i tend not to do that when there are people with me but when i am alone and i'm operating on my own i have no other passengers with me and i <laughs> Pardon me. I sometimes find myself checking the passenger mirrors so that I make sure that it's empty. I talk. I talk to God out loud. I speak to the Holy Spirit out loud. And I also share in humming or whistling. And I do that when I'm got this little device here. I put on hymns or worship music. And if the Christmas carols specifically tend to make you feel more melancholy or alone, then find something that is upbeat. Contemporary Christian music. I love a lot of these new contemporary artists. Lauren Daigle, I love her songs. I love her songs. Um, What's the other one? Tanya, I can't remember what her name is, but I mean, a lot of these Folks, I love them because um, their music is just so awesome and it's really, you know, I love Toby Mac. I love, oh, I love the one in the video, I Just Need You. He's out there in the desert and the wolves are coming around. This is so scriptural. The visual on this thing is the devils are coming around. And then you got Shane Harper. The angels will hold you up. No matter what comes, no matter what come what may, the angels will be there for you and they will hold you up. When the demons come, they try to steal what you know or they try to take what you know. But what they don't know that you know is that the angels are with you all the time and that they are your constant companions that the Lord God and Jesus Christ is with you. They tend to put that aside because they're too busy trying to steal your soul. Chorin Wells, he sings about the hills and the valleys. And this is exactly what we're in in life. We have hills and valleys. And the word of God tells us that God is with us whithersoever we go. That does not mean from point A, Santa Monica to Chicago on Route 66. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you go on Highway 70 and you turn through Utah and you go across 70 all the way out to New York. That's not what that means. Or the I-95 that goes from all the way from uh, Maine all the way down to Florida. That's not what that means. What it means is that whithersoever thou goest, whether you're on top of the hill, and I love this singing that it is, whether you're on the hill, where God helped you get to the top anyway, or if you're in the valley, that you will lift your eyes to the Lord God Almighty who is with you and he sees you there. And just like Hagar declared when she was in the desert and she thought her baby was gonna die, she set him aside so she didn't have to hear him crying. And what happened there? The messenger of God came to her and said, the Lord has heard your cries. He has heard your child. Your child will be blessed. You will be blessed and your child will not perish. And the angel led her to a well. And she declared Adonai er Roy. What did she say? My God who sees me. She was in a valley, she was in darkness. She thought her child was going to die and she couldn't stand to hear the sound that her child made because she thought he was going to die. God saw her there. God lifted her up out of that darkness, and he provided blessing for her. He provided sustenance for her. And he provided water from the well. Adonai Eloi. You need to remember that phrase, my God who sees me. Doesn't matter where you're at. If you're on top of the mountain, out of the woods, out of the forest, out of the trees, out of the darkness, shadows of the valleys, it doesn't matter, he sees you there. And it doesn't matter if you have to go down the other side of that mountain and go through the forest, the woods, the valleys, and get to the other, the next climb up, doesn't matter, he sees you there. Adonai Ahroi, my God who sees me. And then, of course, you have... uh, I like these artists a lot. Phil Wickham who sings This Is Amazing Grace. And then there's a group called We Are Messengers. <laughs> and they talk to the fact that God is alive and well and And when they asked it, they're asked the question said, how did you get here? How did you get into this? How did you get to this point where you are? And the message of the song is, I point to you. My Lord, my God, I point to you. When I'm asked, I point to you because you are my Lord, my God, my savior. And two, I, I love Corey Asbury. He talks about the never ending, what we would call the reckless love of God because it doesn't matter what's before God's coming through. God's coming through because he loves us and he will provide and that is what he promises. Some people might look at it as reckless love, but that's just God's love. <coughs> and I love the next two songs, the one um <laughs> Yeah, I do. I love these songs um Travis Cottrell, he sings glorious day. The group Cain sings rise up, talking about Lazarus. But this is the Lord talks to all of us because so many times we allow ourselves to feel dead, but you hear the Lord call, rise up. When I call your name, step out of that tomb that you shut yourself into. And as the other song says, step out into that glorious day. The Lord calls us out. And I love Lauren Daigle's song, The Rescue. So there, you don't have to listen if the, if the Christmas carols are too, um, if they're, if they tend to be too melancholy and They get you down and get you to remembering on it. Some of these contemporary Christians, I love these songs. They don't have to be Christmas carols. Let me share this with you on that. Um, If you go back into anywhere in the Bible, I challenge you to do so because you can't. (laughs) You might think you can Where in anywhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, Old Testament, does it prophesy that the birth of Christ is going to be in December and it happens around the middle to tail end of December 24th, 25th and and comes around there? Anywhere in the Bible? Anywhere? Anywhere? Anyone have that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I can. No, I didn't think so. There's nowhere in the Bible where it does say that. Mammon has decided that Christmas is going to be the 24th and 25th of December, so forth and so on. And this is a uh, holiday that's been decided by Mammon. I mean, it's it's okay. Because there are <laughs> churches and true believers that have, have made it so that it's a true faith and sharing time and that it is not a Mammon holiday, that they make sure that it stays, the focus is on the Lord, as it should be. But I'm telling you that there's nothing, nowhere in the Bible does it say that um, 24th and 25th of December is when it happened. Nothing. So if the Christmas carols tend to continue melancholy, you take, take these contemporary Christian artists. I, I mentioned a bunch of them by name. They have some great, awesome, powerful music, and I love these things. And I love the one Lauren Daigle The Rescue, simply called Rescue. And she sings about the devil bringing the lies into her life and how she believed the lies, how we all do. We tend to believe what the devil makes because there are false evidence that appears real. He makes them appear. This is part of his technique. And this is his ethos is to get us to believe the falsehood and lies so that we do actually most of the work for him. All he does is he provides the seeds and we allow the seeds of the weeds to grow to interfere with our vision, to interfere with our perception and entangle the roots that we need to establish in the word and that we allow them to tangle our garden. So we need to be constantly hacking the weeds. We constantly need to be rebuking the lies. And as she sings this song, I love the song. God promises that he will come through the darkest night the deepest fight. It doesn't matter what is going on around us. It doesn't matter. It matters to us because we put the matter there. God says he will rescue us and he will be with us. That is his promise and his truth and his knowledge. We tend to forget that. we tend to ignore that, we tend to look the other direction, we tend to look around and say, where are you God? I don't see you. It's really dark and the enemy is really thick around me. But the focus is not on God, the focus is on what's going on, the happenings and surroundings. Just like he tried to teach on the side of Hebron, when he had his prophet step out on the face of the mountain and all that stuff was going on around him, all that noise and turmoil. And then when he told him to go back into the cave where it was quiet and he was sheltered, and then he spoke to him in a still small voice. And he reminded him that he was not alone. He believed himself to be alone because he believed the testimony of lies. He believed what the enemy was bringing to him. But God told him, hey, I've got so many that are still believers. I have so many that will help you. I have so many that will surround you with truth and uplifting and prayers. You're not alone. And let me remind you of this about that. Again, we are not alone. We think that, oh, nobody can be going through what we're going through. Nobody can be possibly have ever gone through what I'm going through. Well, who do you think you are? You're not somebody special. I, let me rephrase that. You are somebody special because you're a child of God. If you're a true believer and you seek his face, you seek the truth, you seek his knowledge, you seek his wisdom and you have faith in God. So you are somebody special in that regards. But in the regard that so many think that, oh, nobody could possibly know what I'm going through. Nobody could possibly have should yeah. There are those and some that have gone through far worse that you don't know what they could possibly have gone through. So we need to do, and the word reminds us of this, stop comparing yourself to somebody else's issue It doesn't apply to you, so cut it out. Just stop it. I've shared with you this thing before, and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna share it again because it bears repeating. You're perfect for what God intended you to do. There's nobody better to do what you are intended to do And there's nobody more qualified to do what God intends for you to do. And you've got what it takes because God put it in you. I love that. And I'm gonna remind you of that probably a lot, but that's okay. What we need to do is we also need to go through the book of Philippians. That, remember that that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi because they were having some they were having some issues there. But what he told them, and this begins in chapter four, and we need to go through the entire. And and my mentor suggested this, and this would be um. <clears throat> you go through the book of Philippians and you highlight the word joy and rejoice. Every time that you see them happen. And chapter 4, I'm going to... uh, Chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? Let your moderation. That means that... You don't get all wrapped up in all this other junk that they get involved in and that you are following the path of righteousness and that you follow the word of God. And he uses the term, this translation, uh, be careful for nothing. What that means is not to be anxious. Don't care so much about something that's going on because it really doesn't matter what matters that you focus on the Lord and then he will be with you. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Always be thankful. And here's, here's oh, I love this, because this is, this is what we're talking about, the peace and the care. And this is what Jesus told his disciples when they were in the upper room. They were so afraid that they were going to be martyred. They were so afraid that the Jews were going to hunt them down and kill them. And then she just showed up in the upper room with a locked door, and he was just there right in the middle of them. And what did he say? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. That's the helmet of salvation. Remember I shared this with you. It doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess may be or what you think it is. The mindset is the weakest link of all mammon and Satan will attack and get you to think this or think that and everything in darkness. And this is what it says. And mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, you look for that. And there is any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seeth in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. And that is true. His truth. Confess your sins. Often our sense of God's presence is hindered by something in our thoughts or behavior that we should confess. Ah, uh, there it is again. There's that keyword: something in our thoughts or behavior that we should confess. And we don't because we think that God doesn't want to hear it. We think that God's going to be upset and we think that God's not going to forgive us. And Satan, in that white noise interference that he keeps putting up there in that... Uh, and that brain housing group, and our thought process, because that's what he does. That's what he does very well. I told you that's one of his tactics, and he does it well. Overhaul your prayer list. Bringing up, bring it up to date. Add a different name, something, and things that you might think to just, to do. Turn your thought press to that thing that we should be doing find something small that might be significant that we do in the Lord's name. And this one I wasn't so sure, but this is is kind of interesting. And I saw something interesting on posting the other day that you can actually make a candle that doesn't ever go away. It's pretty cool. But light a candle. And just do that... But remember that the reason for doing that is because the temples always contained lamps, candles. And Jesus declared himself the light of the world. John declared him, John the baptizer, declared him as the light of the world. Don't be discouraged. Remember always, just like God told Joshua, in Joshua 1 9, you can find it in Deuteronomy. You can find it in Isaiah. <clears throat> you can find it in the New Testament. Oh my goodness, it's all through the Bible. And we're gonna go over here to uh here we go. This is in Joshua. Now you gotta remember here, Joshua. Um so if we go back historically in the uh That David wrote, Um, David wrote and Isaiah wrote, and then you have Daniel was getting a little closer to the birth of Christ. It's more like about 700 years. Isaiah and uh, David, they were about 1,000 years before Jesus was born. But then you go all the way back up here to Joshua. (coughs) Joshua 1, 9. And the Lord is speaking to Joshua. Actually, he's speaking to all of us. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Wow. and actually you can go back to the book of Deuteronomy which is farther back in time and God tells us the same thing don't be afraid I'm with you in all things I'm with you he constantly reminds us he constantly reminds me and just remember something to share the truth and knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. Have that little mirror right in front of you. Don't be saying things or sharing things that, don't, that you believe don't apply to you. Because everything that I share applies to me as it does to anyone else. And sometimes I have to be reminded of these very things. At my age and the things that I'm going through, I, yeah, I tend to lean over there and the devil takes great delight in trying to get me to go there. He loves that because he knows that as a warrior for this country and as a warrior for God, he loves to try to get me to weaken and tries to get my knees to wobble, but I'm gonna stay on that path. And here's something too that I have to remind you of is that the closer you walk with God or the closer you walk to God and seek him, it doesn't get easier, and it doesn't mean that all that stuff goes away because they will come and they will nip at you. They're, they're like, the. Um, I don't want somebody to get offended by a particular breed of dog. I was going to share a particular breed, but I'm not going to. I'm going to just, uh, let's just call them an open uh, generality and stay ambiguous. The little ankle biters, that's the way the minions are. They're ankle biters. They come in to dry, to. Grab onto your pant leg and get you to stumble and trip and fall. That's what they did. That's their whole purpose. And that's their design. So the closer you walk to the Lord, their purpose and their design is to grab your pant leg and get you to trip and fall. They love that. Ah, uh, but here's the important thing: they might do that a lot, and it might happen a lot, but how often do you get back up, dust yourself off, and keep on going? That's the key. David fell a lot. Solomon fell a lot. Job fell. Daniel fell. But they didn't throw themselves down on the ground and start pounding the ground and the pavement and all that stuff and say, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm another total failure. Oh, God doesn't want me anymore. God doesn't love me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go off and eat worms. Didn't recite that old childhood song. None of it. They got back up, dust themselves off and said, Lord God, forgive me, forgive my weakness for in my weakness, you are strong. Paul reminds us of that. The Lord reminds us of that, that he is with us always and he will be our strength. (coughs) Pardon me. And remember things that are always in his timing. Remember this. I love this. This is, this comes out of 1 Timothy 6, uh, 15 through 16. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor, might forever. Amen. And here's, here's the profound truth from the word of God. As in the first letter to Timothy in this declaration, what he shares is true. Up until the day that we become glorified and we are in heaven and we are as our Lord Jesus intended for us to be through his salvation. Once we're there, we can walk in that light, we can be in that light, and we can share that light. And this is important. This is comes from Second Peter, 1st chapter. We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts who are they talking about talking about Jesus oh there's an old song I remember what a friend we have in Jesus and I, I can't remember I might have two songs confused but they talk about the Lord as being the bright and morning star our sun our light brothers and sisters I love you You are in my prayers, going out and coming in, pray one for another, uplift one another. And in this season that mammon likes to call Christmas, and celebrate that, but remember this, don't just do it at this time of year or something special. We need to be this way all the time. It's a dark, broken, lonely place to be, but you're not alone not alone. And just because they don't see you with somebody doesn't mean that you're lonely and doesn't mean that you're alone. Remember, many cannot see the Lord and even those that claim to be as they tack that label on or self-proclaimed, they can't see in here because they don't seek. Seek his truth. Seek his knowledge. Seek his wisdom. Seek his faith face be blessed